Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Um, good morning. It is, and I, I, I know I say this a lot, um, but I do not take it for granted. And I hope you do not either. But it is truly a pleasure to be with the body of Christ. Because there are many churches that aren't able to convene yet, uh, aren't able to meet together. They're not able to worship together. And uh, I am very grateful that we are together and that this is a place and this is a group of people that is uh, a willing people to invite others into the presence of the Lord, regardless where they're from and who they are. And so I, I just, I don't want to ever take that for granted. Um, we, have, we have been on a series um, as of last week, and you may be new to this series, um, but we've been on a series called Pulse. Um, this, this past Tuesday and Wednesday, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, uh, morning, uh, I, I met with a, a cohort of pastors that I've been meeting with for the last three years. Uh, we, we meet together um, to encourage, to sharpen, to challenge, to push, to, um, in all aspects of our life, whether it be ministry or leadership or, or with our families and our marriages. And uh, um, on Tuesday evening, we, we, uh, several of us sat around uh, the table and were eating um, gator bites and walleye and having conversation and one of the guys who's, who's kind of the health nut of the group, he's, he's about 10 years younger than I am, um, he was talking about the scale that he, he was introduced. It was a weight scale. And I, I'm pretty sure this is the weight scale that he showed me. Um, and this weight scale doesn't just tell you your weight. In fact, um, you get on the scale and it will tell you 17 different measurements. 17. The Apple 6 watch doesn't have anything on this thing. I'm telling you. This can tell you your weight. It can tell you your BMI, your body mass index. It actually can tell you your muscle mass, your obesity level. Those are things I really don't want to know. I don't know about you. So, uh, babe, I don't want this for Christmas. No thanks. Um, but I was just astounded. And he pulled out his phone. And he pulled up the app that is connected to the scale. So when you get on the scale and it does all these readings, via your Bluetooth and, and your phone, you can actually download all of this information, engage it, and determine where you are. And he really loved the fact that his phone was in green and his wife was in red because green says you're good, red says you're, you're below line, and you need to do some work. And I thought, man, th this, is, this, is, this is true 
to who we are and our discussion from last week of how we just love to know. We love to know. We love data. We like to use data to make our arguments, don't we? But we just love to know. And just like Apple, this, this weight scale, who, whatever company uh, this is, have, have really capitalized on the fact that people want to know things. They really, really want to know things. And so this series called Pulse, we want to take our pulse. We want to take our spiritual pulse. But we have been convinced and, and taught that since faith is something on the inside and really unseen, how can you even take your temperature, your faith temperature? How can you take the pulse of your faith? If it is unseen, how can it be measured? Well, that's a myth. I just want to tell you, that's a myth. You really can gauge whether or not you are aligned with the Lord or you're not. Whether you're growing, stagnant, or starting to pull back. And like I said last week, I wish 23 years ago I knew this as a new believer. I wish I knew how to do that. Because quite frankly, belief moves us into action. Right? Belief moves us into action. Just talked to a lot of men yesterday who knew that it was sweetest day. They believed that if they came home without a gift, their wife would be really, really angry. Right? And some of you men are going, what? Yesterday was sweetest day? Surprise! Don't let your wife listen to this sermon. (laughs) Yes, and since they believed their wife would be really angry that it was sweetest day and they wouldn't come home with a gift, that there were a lot of men that acted on that belief by going and purchasing nice, sweet gifts for their girlfriends or their wives or whomever in their life. I watched some of them walk into our store for that very simple fact. One of them is here today. (laughs) Belief moves us into action, right? We have a plumb line here. Um, Not only is our plumb line embrace the acre, we also have a plumb line that is that we want people to belong here before they believe. And we would rather them belong before they believe, but their belonging moves them to belief and that their belief becomes behavior, that there's this transformation on the inside of them by the Holy Spirit and Jesus in their life. We often get it backwards. We often, as a church, we want people to behave before they believe, and that's not the way Jesus even set it out. He drew people in and reminded them that they are created in His image, that they have value and dignity, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But belief does move us into action. And I'm asking you today, is your belief in Christ moving you into action? That belief can be measured. And we get our template straight out of Scripture. Straight out of a a conversation from Paul to a mentee, Timothy, a young guy in his early to mid-30s. Paul 
in prison at the time as he's writing this letter. He said, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example. Set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Last week, we, we really started to gauge our words. What are our words saying? What are they not saying? How are we saying our words? What are we posting? Are our words cutting really deep into people's lives? Or are they like knives? And in fact, harming people. This week, we're going to step into life and love. Will you say life with me? Life. Will you say love with me? Love. We're going to step into life and love. But see, here's the thing. If you look at the verse, speech, life, love, faith, and purity, there's the middle linchpin. There's the pivot point in the middle of all five of those. What is that? It's love. Love is the linchpin. So we're going to work backwards this morning because love, Paul put that there very purposefully because everything else hinges on love. Everything. Your faith, your purity, your words, and your deeds all hinge on love. In fact, love is the motivation. Love is the absolute motivation for Christmas, which will be coming soon, so gifts, be thinking about gifts for your family, not right now, after the sermon, after the amen, right? But Love is the ultimate motivation and expression in Christmas and the cross of Easter. God was motivated by love. In His act of creation, in His act of creating humanity, in His act of sending His Son, Jesus Christ, in the most vulnerable way possible. And it was the motivation of Jesus on the cross, surrendering Himself. Not people taking his life, but him giving his life up. Love. Now, in the Greek, there's several different aspects of love. And in the Bible, in the New Testament, there's four. There's eros, there's storge, there's phileo, and agape. I'm not trying to impress you. That's not what I do. All right? This will lead somewhere. Eros is the sweetest day love right? It's romantic. It's the sensual love. Storge love is the love that you have amongst your family or not amongst your family. I don't know. If you're like mine, we're dysfunctional just like everybody else's, but we we do love each other. It's storge. It's the familial love. Phileo. We get Philadelphia, the city's name, from phileo. It's brotherly love. It's the love amongst believers. And then there's agape love. Agape love is a divine love. Agape love is a love without condition. And you can say it's unconditional love. Agape love is a love without record. Meaning you're not using your spreadsheet to bring it back up five years from now. 
to say you did this and you did that and you didn't do this and you didn't do that. Agape love is a divine love, an unconditional love that keeps no record of wrongs. It's complete. It's whole. It's pure. And in fact, it's selfless and self-sacrificing. Agape love is a love that, that is a mindful decision for the other individual. It's a love that doesn't boast, is not prideful, isn't envious, but actually it's a love that trusts. Agape love is a love that trusts, that protects, that hopes, that perseveres. It's, it's that, that wedding scripture that everybody reads at their wedding, right? Love is patient, love is kind. That's agape love. It's the divine love. And it centers and it starts from the source of love. The one whose actually character is made up of love. And that is, that is the Lord. That is God Almighty. That's a part of His nature. That's who He is. And so, John, the Apostle who sat with Jesus, actually was called by Jesus while he was fishing, sat with Jesus, walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, smelled Jesus, ate with Jesus, saw Jesus weep, and in fact, literally watched Jesus die on the cross, take his last breath, and then saw Jesus resurrected and ascended to the Father. This is that guy, and this is what he wrote. In his late 80s or 90s. And he's an old man. And he's looking back over his shoulder. And he's reflecting on all this. And this is what he wrote. He said, dear friends. Let us love one another. Love comes from God. Because God is love. That's who he is. This is how God showed his love. Now, I don't know about you. But love's an emotion, right? Love's on the inside, but also a decision that you make, and it is moved into action. This is how God showed His love among us. He took it really personally. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God. No. But that He loved us and sent His Son And watch what the love does. Love has action. Love does. Love as an intoning sacrifice for our sins. Meaning, Jesus Christ was motivated by love coming to earth. And Jesus Christ was motivated by love for you and all of humanity when He chose to surrender His life on the cross. He made a very conscious decision to take the nails, to suffer and bleed and give up his breath. That's how God showed his love. Now, he goes a little further. He says, dear friends, that's you, dear friends. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Meaning the love that God had for us and has for us moves us to love one another now i'm going to go all bible nerdy on you real quick okay 
Bible nerdy. But this is really what it means. The top verse is what we just read, but the bottom verse, when you look at the Greek, this is what it says. Beloved, not just dear friends. Beloved. That's you. If God so loved, agape the love without condition, the love with a conscious decision. If God so agape us, we, you and me, us, the church, those that have the love of God within us, ought to love phileo, brotherly love, Philadelphia, right? We ought to brotherly love one another. Two agape our love for one another brings us into the divine love that god has for us your love that you express and give to other people within the body and outside of the body draws them into the love that god has for all of humanity draws them into the love of the cross draws them into the love of the christmas story It moves us. Love progresses us to a deeper, more profound love. A love that has no conditions. A love that keeps no records. A love that protects. A love that hopes. A love that trusts. If you have received Jesus Christ in your life, you've experienced that love hopefully deep into your core and your DNA, to who you are. But these bodies, these vessels, were not meant to be vaults. To once we receive the love of God, we just spin the dial and keep it shut. No, it's meant to be opened. And it's meant to be poured into and poured out of. That's why. That's why we have this mission statement. That Wapak Naz is loved people. You were loved before you even knew God. If you were sitting in here, you were loved before you knew God. Whether you are 90 or 12. that love transforms you and enters you. And therefore, we not only are loved people in the present and in the past and in the future, but we are loving people where they are. We're brotherly loving people so that all people can agape love people to Jesus. That is who we are. So when we talk about Timothy and Paul and we actually talk about taking our pulse, we have to ask ourselves these questions. One, have I experienced the love of God? Let me just tell you, today it is free and open and available for you to receive. But two, Jesus said, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's that scripture that we say every Sunday before we leave, right? Where you're out packing your, your purses up and putting your papers away. And you're like, he's saying stuff, but I'm really not sure what he's saying. Well, we say that every Sunday, just, just so you're aware. But then we also say, because he continues it, love God, right? And then he says, love your neighbors as yourself. One of the questions that we have to, to ask ourselves, first of all, is do I love me? Not in a narcissistic way. But are you taking care of you? Sat around a, a group of leaders several weeks ago. Leaders from within our own community, from all facets of our community. Schools, churches, businesses, you name it. And you could tell the pulse in the room that there were many leaders in the room that were just longing to be sharpened in their leadership. Why? Because like all of us, we're in the pace of doing tasks in life. We get up and we start to the cogs and the wheels are already starting to move, getting the kids in the car, getting the kids food, forgetting the kids in the house. You, you name it. We're, just, we're constantly in motion, but we fail to lead ourselves. And you can feel the pulse in the room that people were not leading themselves first. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Some of us need to lead ourselves and love ourselves. And out of that, we can experience and give the love that we've received from God. It's top down here. God to you and then to other people. We are loved people loving people to Jesus. So we ask ourselves these questions. Am Am I loving with condition? Am I keeping records of those that I'm trying to love? Am I keeping records of my kids? And oh my gosh, this is the fifth time this week you've done this. Are we loving with record, condition? I think all of us in this room have experienced that in one way or another. That we have to do something to earn the other person's love and respect. That's not agape love. That's not divine love. That's not the love that Jesus expressed on the cross. So, Love. Am I loving others as well? Whom, am I lo- whom have I loved? Have I loved them in the way they need to receive that? Am I putting conditions and things over other people's heads? We just need to ask ourselves some of these easy questions to gauge that. But we don't stop there. We move a little bit forward. And we go to, well, we move backward a little bit because we've got to go backward to go forward. We go to life. Everybody say life. Everybody say love. love. Say life. life. Like you mean it. Say life. life. There you go. I'm glad you're awake. Woo! Not too lively. To, no, I'm just kidding. Life. This isn't the game. This is real. You are 
no longer five putting little figurines in the cars and driving them around the board set. This is, this is go time. I like that game, by the way. It's fun. But Paul also said to Timothy, you need to set the pattern and imprint the pattern of life on people. Now, what does he mean by this? Because it's not just, we don't take that just for face value. In fact, what he's saying to Timothy is the conduct, the way you live life. There will be people that will watch you. They will watch you. They will see how you conduct your life. Especially, especially, and I know many of you who I've sat with you and I've talked with you and we've done eight-week Bible studies and you've shared in those eight-week Bible studies of how there have been family members and friends who have just basically ripped you to shreds because you've started to follow the Lord. And honestly, it's almost as if you can't win with them. Well, following the Lord, there's a cost to it. There is a cost to it. But you learn very quickly that, that people watch you. They watch how you conduct your life. Peter said, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. That word do, how you conduct your life. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. In, in essence, just like love we love others because we've received the love from God and we learn how to love ourselves, and we expel that and we express that and we disseminate that out. The holiness isn't something you just conjure up yourself. Holiness comes from the one who is holy. The one who has character. The one who has integrity. In all he does, who's pure. He moves that into us. We receive that and we, dis- we live that. That comes from outside of us, or from the Lord Himself. And so, Paul said, hey, whatever happens, regardless of the circumstance, come disaster, come death, come displacement, come disease, come whatever may, whatever happens, whether you are wealthy and you're well-to-do, or you have very little in your pantry. Whatever happens, conduct yourself. Live life in a manner worthy of the gospel. Remember, speech, life, love. Speech, life. Deed, word, and deed. Our word and our deed must match up and align itself with the gospel that has transformed us, folks. It must align. He continues elsewhere. He says, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him, whatever you do. So regardless of your profession, regardless of where you live, regardless of the athletic events or the extracurricular events that you attend, regardless of your academics, whatever you do, 
whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. And for me as a creative, I really like, I try to be creative. I'm not that creative. I like to pretend that I'm creative. But essentially he says, the work that you do, do it straight from the inside of you, from your heart. Work from it from the inside out as working for the Lord, not anybody else. No one else. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Be wise in the way you conduct yourself, privately and publicly. Especially with those that don't think and act and worship like you. And in fact, he says, be wise in the way you act towards those that are outside the redeeming act of the Lord who have not received Jesus. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. When I was in college, I was a sophomore. Um, I I received Christ in the bathroom as a sophomore. It was November 17th, 1996. And I've had 23 years to think back through all of that. And I remember three guys Kenny McKinney, who was the RA for our dormitory. Stephen Brown, who was one of Kenny's friends, who was a baseball player. And Nathan Pittenger, who was a soccer player, who was friends with Kenny and Stephen. And I'll always remember these three men because I watched the way they lived life. They were not like me, nor were they like my circle of friends who were getting drunk, getting high, and looking for girls and playing sports. That was the crowd that I ran around with. Bless you. They were nothing like them. They stood out. But they not only stood out because they were nothing like us, they stood out because they liked us. Does that make sense? They were nothing like us, but they liked us. They stopped and talked with us. They didn't keep us at arm's length. They didn't look down at their noses at us. They talked to us. They asked us how we were in our life. There was one night that I remember in particular me and my group of friends who were all soccer players, we were all getting drunk in the dorm, which was a no-no. I mean, we were at a Southern Baptist college for crying out loud. We weren't even allowed to have girls in our dorms, right? So we were getting, getting drunk in our dorm. And Kenny McKinney, who was the RA at the time, happened to come by. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Obviously, what was going on. And he could see what was happening. His room was no further than just 10 feet on the other side. And you could see on Kenny's face that he could have busted us. But he was broken for us. See the difference? He did tell us not to do what we were doing allowed us to make those choices of our own. And he walked away, and then the guys 
decided that they were going to try to pull another one on Kenny. So they invited him back. What Kenny didn't know was they put porn on the TV. And so they called Kenny back so that Kenny could be messed with and his mind could be messed with. And I literally saw his heart break and he walked away. So I took my beer to his room and I knocked on the door and I apologized and he invited me in and I sat down as he's watching the L.A. Dodgers. He was an Oral Hershiser fan. And he just invited me into the room and he had a conversation with me and he talked with me and he asked about me. He loved me where I was. He was wise in the way he acted towards outsiders. He loved us with an agape love. He loved us dearly, and I know he prayed for us. And so, November 17, 1996, I became a believer because I watched the way Nathan Pittenger and Kenny McKinney and, and Stephen Brown conducted themselves in their life. They weren't perfect, but they were wise in the way they conducted themselves with outsiders as well as with one another because I saw the joy in their face and in their life. Even when they went through hard times, it was evident. And I received the love of God because three men chose to live their life differently. They chose to be holy in all they did conduct themselves in a manner that lined with the gospel they allowed the love of God to flow into them and outside of them to change the way they talked to change the way they acted it was a transform it wasn't behavior modification it was a true transformation of the Holy Spirit in their life so But in your hearts, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. You might have fire insurance, and that's great. But is he Lord of your life? You can't have one and not the other. Is he Lord of your life? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope that you have. But do this. Do this with gentleness and respect. Keep in mind, this is Peter who often shot off at the hip, putting both feet into his mouth as well as his lower torso. Do this with gentle and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously of you, whether it's family, friend, or co-worker, against your good behavior, against your holy behavior, against the conduct that you you have in Christ may be ashamed for their slander I was ashamed for what my friends did and Kenny was he was just a good guy man he's a good guy loving Jesus and loving people so today I'd ask are you loving people as Christ loved you are you loving you? Are you leading you? Are you growing you? 
Is your word and your deed aligned with the gospel? Whether in private or in public. Because if it isn't in private, I can tell you it won't be in public. You can only be fake for so long until cracks start to happen. Are you needing to apologize for something you said or something you did? That's okay. Stephen Brown actually had to apologize one time. I'll never forget it. He threw a fit as they were playing uh, ultimate frisbee. He lost control. He was a competitive guy. And I remember hearing the story of unbelievers. Oh, he, he cursed and he did this and he did that. And you know what he did? He went back and he apologized for what he did. Sometimes we, we, bra- we, we break in public, but we also can apologize. So, is your conduct aligned with the gospel? Is the speech aligned with the gospel? Are you seeing cracks and fissures? Are you seeing red flags in your life? This is all about taking the pulse. Ask yourself these questions. Go back to the verse, 1 Timothy 4.12. Where's my speech? How is my life? Am I loving? And then we'll move into faith and purity next week. So would you just please stand? just bow your heads for just a moment and I would like for you just to kind of gauge where you are our motivation is love it's not obligation it's not about do and don't it's about what's been done on the cross right it's about what Jesus did and has done in our life So I would like for you just to take a moment and gauge. Gauge your speech. Gauge the words you speak. Gauge the weight of those words. The tone of those words. Do they build? Do they encourage? Or are they tearing down? Whether it's to your kids or to your spouse, to your friends, to your family, to your coworkers. Gauge your your deeds your conduct, your life. Is your life aligned? Engage your love. Are you loving with condition? Are you keeping records? Is your love a love of trustworthiness? So I'd like to just take a moment, 20 seconds. Where are you solid? Where are you lagging? Where are you knocking it out of the park? If you're misaligned in any of those areas, I just keep your heads bowed. I just want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand, and I want to pray over you. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, for those that just seem misaligned in one of those areas, they're sensing your spirit. They need your spirit in their life in this moment and in those things. 
Lord, will you give them your grace and your love? But also, will you empower them by your Spirit? Empower them by your Spirit to, to shift their word or deed or their life, their love. Help them take a step forward. Now, for those of us that, I mean, if you're knocking it out of the park, that's okay. Uh, acknowledge that. If, you're not, if you feel like, man, I'm knocking this out of the park right now, I just want to pray for you as well. Okay. Jesus, I love you. I just want us as a people to be aligned with you and fruitful. May our life be fruitful. May our life be aligned with you. May our life be fruitful that other people come to Christ because they see you in us. Lord, I want to be forgettable, but I want you to be memorable. Will you do that in my life as well? Empower us by your Spirit. But teach us to gauge whether we're misaligned or we're right on with you. And you're knocking it out of the park as well through us. May your light and your joy shine through us. And may we be people that are salt of the earth. People of grace and love and peace. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for each and every individual and family in this room and those that are listening online. Empower them and launch them, Lord Jesus. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Folks, I love you. So does the Lord. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself. Be loved people, loving people to Jesus. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you were moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.